In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. All Saints' Day stems from the belief that there is a powerful spiritual bond between those in heaven, the church triumphant, and the living, the church militant. We do not limit our focus to famous saints. All Saints' Day revolves around giving God solemn thanks for the lives and deaths of his saints. This includes the famous and the obscure. As a boy, there was one hymn that stirred my heart more than any other, Hymn 243. The first verse reads, I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean, God helping to be one too. In the second verse, and one was a soldier, and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast, and there is not any reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one too. Walking the path of righteousness has rewards. In the reading from Revelation this morning, we learn that those who are faithful enjoy the presence of God. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our destination. Bishop Scarlet teaches that during communion, Eternity comes into time. We are in three places at once. We are at the Last Supper, at the current communion service, and at the Resurrection Supper of the Lamb. In our daily offices, we express the belief in the communion of saints. We believe that we live in God's kingdom, and when a Christian dies, they are still in that kingdom. Walking the path of righteousness also has a cost. When asked who were the ones gathered around the throne, the answer was, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Many people will follow you in your, in your faith until you get to the tribulation part. A man slipped off a cliff, and on the way down he grabbed a branch, which left him suspended above certain death. He calls out to God to save him, God answers him and says, let go, I will catch you. The man yells back, is there anyone else up there? The tribulation is about choosing God in a pagan world that seems to offer anything and everything to turn you from the path. We prevail when we resist the mark of worldliness and sin on our heart, conscience, and life. From the beginning, the Bible tells the story of God's call to his people to live in his will and presence, and the world's call to turn from God and pursue temporal pleasure. God's people turned from him. He called them back into fellowship. Adam and Eve lived in the presence of God, yet succumbed to the temptations of the serpent. This theme continues as the people of Israel were chosen and given the law to guide them, and when needed, to restore them to grace. The book of Judges reveals a roller coaster ride of rejection of God's will, judgment, repentance, and deliverance. The, repeat, the people reject God's way, for the way of the world suffer and call on God who saves them and restores them. 
The choice they face is illustrated in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal the land. In Proverbs, the way of wisdom is contrasted with the way of folly. Folly is portrayed as an adulterous woman who attempts to seduce those on the path of wisdom. The way of folly leads to death. The prophets warned, God, God, the prophets warned God's people to repent and return to God's way. When they continue to rebel, they suffer the consequences. Today's reading for the epistle answers the question, where are we going? The gospel for today answers the question of how we get there. The remaining question is, are you willing to go? In the gathering of the saints portrayed in the epistle, all of the saints are wearing white. No one is wearing gray. There is no part way. People were hopeful of a conquering Messiah, one who would establish his kingdom on earth, remove the hated Romans, and re restore Israel to the splendor not witnessed since Solomon. Jesus sat on the mountain, and with his disciples gathered around him. He opened his ministry with what is now known as the Sermon on the Mount. He calls us to white, not to gray. He began with what is now called the Beatitudes. The Greek word for Beatitudes means happy. But it means more than happy, as we think of happy today. It would be more accurate to say deep inner joy. Is it remarkable that Jesus began his ministry in this manner, so unlike all the others? Just like the ages-old conflict, earthly teachers taught that happiness was to be found in temporal, honor or riches, or splendor, or sensual pleasure. Jesus overlooked all those things and fixed his eye on the inner person. Jesus does not call us to an easy path. It is not a path that we can reach through our own efforts. The bar is raised too high. We can only arrive through the help of the Holy Spirit. It is a mistake to rely on ourselves, unless your goal is to become a Pharisee. The opposite mistake is not to trust God at all. The only right response is to place your faith in God. As the doctor prepared to leave the room, his patient said, Doc, I'm afraid to die. Can you tell me what's on the other side? Reverently, the doc said, I don't know. You don't know? You, a Christian, do not know what is on the other side? The doctor was standing by the door, and you could hear the sound of scratching and whining on the other side. When he opened the door, a giant dog sprang into the room and jumped on him and licked him with an eager show of gladness. Looking at the patient and smiling, the doctor said, Did you notice? My dog's never been in this room before. He didn't know what was inside. He knew nothing except that I, his master, was here. And when the door opened, he sprang in without fear. I don't know what's on the other side of death, but I know this, God is there and that's enough for me. How high was the bar raised? Jesus speaks of eight virtues that lead to blessings. The poor in spirit are blessed because they are unencumbered by the anxiety that often encumbers companies' possessions. It is opposed to pride and vanity and ambition. Those that mourn are blessed because it is true that only the gospel can give true comfort to those in affliction. Other sources of consolation do not reach the deep sorrows of the soul.
The meek are blessed because meekness produces peace. Meekness is neither meanness nor surrender of rights nor cowardice, but it is the opposite of sudden anger, of malice, of long-harbored vengeance. Meekness is the reception of injuries with a belief that God will vindicate us. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Any ardent desire for anything in scripture is often represented as hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The merciful are those who wish to glorify God and are so affected by the sufferings of others as to be disposed to alleviate them. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart are those whose minds, motives, and principles are pure. Their external actions reflect the condition of their inner being. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers are those who strive to prevent contention, strife, war. They use their influence to reconcile opposing parties. Blessed are those which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To persecute means literally to pursue, to follow after, as one does the flying enemy. The virtues Jesus describes cannot be attained by running and jumping over the bar. We attain by letting go. It is the work of the Holy Spirit by grace. What we can do is place our faith in Jesus and commit ourselves to walking with him. We walk with him when we live in holy community, a concept that is severely threatened in our modern world. We do this by remembering and making present the greatness of God his goodness and love in our lives today. This is done by means of story and ritual, as we do at Easter, as we do on Sundays in our celebration of Holy Eucharist, and daily as we live the life of prayer. As we draw near God, our lives are changed and conformed to the belief we hold in our heart. There will come a day when our last breath on earth becomes our first breath in God's presence. The communion of saints we pray about will be in spirit and in body, and the gray that we started with will be all changed to white. At this moment, and ever shall be, we fully enjoy the presence of our Lord. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.